0: I mean, ghost chronicle Stories of the Supernatural, and today I'm going to interview Robert, Robert. okay, and he's going to tell some fantastic ghost stories, because these are the type that I like, the real ones. Okay, here we go, give me that. Here we go, I got you, Robert. Okay. Go ahead, so tell us All that right. story. let me
1: tell you, uh, let me give you a little history first. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> we came from a house in Queens, right? That okay. was built, like, mid-twenties, I think it was at the time. Mm-hmm. It was only like, like a few houses on that street. Okay, and It was basically a bungalow house at the time, so it wasn't really meant for year round, but it was converted into a regular house eventually, right? Mm-hmm. My uh, grandfather bought the house, right? And then he bought the house next to it, so we had two houses on mm-hmm. one property. When my parents got married, they moved into this house, and we were raised there as kids, right? right. This is going back from the 40s and the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. And... um uh, eventually as we got older we we built a a little basement part it was a basement okay it's one of those half basements that goes down has windows all around you know that kind of thing right we kind of fixed up the basement and made it a hangout right okay it was like 18 to 20 years old we were hanging out a bunch of guys whatever would come in the party room (laughs) yeah the cave used to call it right so um we had windows on the side big windows that that Went this way, uh, is on one side of the house. There was a gas station across the street that was always lit up. Okay. We used to light up the house. Then we had windows in the back, and there was a a door and then you open the door and you come down the steps, right? And you're into the area where we're sitting and stuff. So, um, we used to hang out, watch TV, music, whatever, right? And I've noticed not only me, but everyone else used to come down, and we used to see shadows walking by on the side of the house. Okay. Right? Like, oh, that's weird. And it looks like somebody's walking by on the okay. outside. And I said, like, well, it's the gas station. It has these lights on. You have bright lights mm-hmm. on gas stations. So I said, there must be people walking down the sidewalk in front of the house. Okay. And we're seeing the shadow going that way. I go, yeah, so there must be, right? That was going on for like months, right? And then okay. all of a sudden in the back of the house, right, where it's dark and there's no lights, we started seeing a shadow going across the window. Okay. And I'm like, that's weird. It looks like somebody's walking this way and then walking back that way, right? Right. Doesn't make so, sense. Ooh, like, ah, ooh, right? Must be an optical illusion, whatever. Ne- never thought twice about it, right? So uh, one night, uh, me and Carl, right, hanging out, we're watching television. I think we we're watching some old and Costello movies or something like that. I'm looking at the shadow going back, I say, there goes that shadow again. Isn't that weird? And we look at it, I go, Yeah, yeah, it's the shadow, right? About 10 seconds later, right? There's a little doorway that you can see out. Right. I jump up I go, Who's that? Right. I, we jump up and, and Carl jumps up and he goes, Who the hell is that guy? Right. A guy walked by, right? Okay. Past the doorway, right? Uh huh. He was wearing like an old suit, okay. a really old suit. Always okay. okay. blessing with the times. I was like, That's weird. Who the hell is this guy? We jumped up, right? Figured, what the, hell's going to knock the hell is going on? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no idea, idea who he was, right? You right. run in the back. We go back there's nothing back there there's no way out and he was solid there's a cement wall right okay so you can't go anywhere past that right and it was nobody there at that point right and we looked at each other like did you see that because i saw that right and yeah. we described him uh-huh. What he was the guy in this suit uh-huh so we were like goosebumps we said let's get the hell out of here right we left right took off creeped us out completely Right? and eventually we went back into the basement right so, um, the next day, I, I told my mom, because she lived upstairs, right? right. I said, you know, this weird thing happened to us last night. We were in the basement sitting there. We saw this guy walk by. He goes, was, he, was, he was in a suit. He goes, that wasn't just me. That's her call. Also, yeah. so it was both of us. Freaked us out, right? And she going what did he look like? I said, he was like a guy who was maybe like 50 years old or whatever. He had this suit on. Look like he came from the 30s or the 40s, right? And she goes, where did you see him? And I showed it He goes, right here in the spot, like where you are standing. Uh-huh. And she goes well you want to hear a really weird story about this place i go what because right where he was standing there's a trap door on the top floor of the house and the guy who used to own this house before lived by himself there and right around he was about 50 years old right one night he came in the house and the trap door was open he fell right through the trap door and and got died right on that (gasps) spot oh my god (laughs) (laughs) that freaked us out completely but after we saw him we never saw the shadows again on the windows Isn't that incredible? So that was weird, and that then it makes you even think. Well, what, what did he have a trapdoor for? You know, like that's also weird. Well, you thing. know what it is We had a, uh, a a coal burner in the basement. Oh, okay, okay, It was okay, one of those again. old houses. Oh, okay. Now coal. I
0: understand. Okay. And, and they
1: used to put. I guess the coal used to go right down, to and go down trap there. trapdoor or whatever. You know, and that that was the access to it. So he, eventually, I guess he fell to that and.
0: Oh my God! In whatever. the dark, walking. In the he kitchen. must have. Yeah. He just like he ate it. He like that
1: was that was freaky. Yeah. That was that was that's that a was that was a sighting that we had seen. That is such a and both of us. I never believe in ghosts or anything like that, I'm just yes. like, and we weren't drunk, we weren't drinking, we we're we're on drugs, we right, I mean, were watching that's, you know, television. That's what, that's,
0: that's, you know, because that's it what I call the, the, the real, you're not looking for it, yeah. you're just doing your thing, all this time you're seeing shadows, but of course because of your age you're like blowing it off thinking, nah, right. and then when you see it, it's not you're looking at it, it's, and even then, it sounds like what he was pretty solid looking, that you followed it yeah. for him to see who the hell, is that guy yeah
1: i mean he walked by us we jumped up ran back there and there's literally a cement wall there's no way out that nothing there and then your mom tells
0: you that story had your mom ever seen him no you guys were the only ones was it do you think because
1: you guys were the ones always downstairs in the basement probably you know i'm i don't know i don't know who knows you know and the reason why i say this is that
0: i run across people like that that will have experiences like that like the kids, or one of the kids, or nobody believes them, or eh, your imagination. And then they say, Well, 20 years later, they've either moved out or something, and all the kids are growing up, and then they start talking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or the parents will fess up, Yeah, I saw that, but I didn't want to tell you kids because I didn't want to scare you.
1: Well, she didn't want to tell us anything. You right, know. But, uh, yeah. but, but she had stories too, my mom. So she believed me when I told oh, her. Oh, I'm that. sure.
0: Yeah. But yeah. see, that's good because I've had yeah. others that their parents have kind of like shut them down because they're. I think, and I tell them, I think that sometimes the parents are yeah. scared because it's like, your kid's not going to come and lie to you about something like that because
1: well my mom when she um was young she worked um for the um army i think it was na- uh, the map department during oh, world war ii right matter of fact she's one of the people who had actually made the uh map for uh hiroshima wow nagasaki. no nagasaki nagasaki right? okay uh, and uh, she had a story when she was living down in uh, Washington. Okay. They, they, right, you know where the the, lawn way, the lawns are? The, I forget what you call that area, like the reflecting pool is and right. stuff like that. Right, yes. During World War II, they had that place set up with Quonset huts and tents, and people would work in okay. there and, okay. and do maps or whatever, and work for the uh, Army Department or whatever, right? The okay. Navy department. And uh, she um, <coughs> used to play piano and stuff on the radio and stuff like right. that, right? And she had a bunch of friends that she lived with. And they had a uh, an apartment that was not far from there in, in D.C. And it was one of those old apartments that has, you know, those doors that go up with the glass tops that open, like right vent doors? Right yes. Right, so it was in one of those places. And uh, one night she's uh, w- awoken about 2.30 in the morning, she says, right? She looked at the clock. She heard someone calling her name, right? She said, Molly, that was her name. She says, Molly, Molly. She kept hearing it. And she heard, like, some rumbling at the door outside. And she was freaking out. because goes, somebody's at the door, right? So she was waking up a friend. She goes, did you hear it? And she's going, no, I don't hear anything, right? so just go back to sleep. You're just having a dream. That's what she figured it was, right? But it's calling my name. <laughs> so she went back to sleep, and she heard it again, right? Her name was being called, right? And she oh knew somebody God. was at that door, right? So what she did is she took a little box, and she got one up to the door and looked and peeked over through that little vent and she saw this black figure there, like like a shadow. Oh my God. And it freaked her out, right? And she had this feeling in her heart that she, if she opened that door, something really bad was going to happen, right? Right. And she looked at the, cl- at the clock at the time. I think it was like 4.37 in the morning, right? Right, yeah. like. And she just yelled at the door, go away, leave us alone, get out of here, right? And it stopped, right? Wow. She found out the next morning, right, her... um. Her aunt, right, my, my my grandma's sister, was giving birth to um, Helen at the time, right? Okay. And they were really close, uh, my okay. mom and them. They were like like this, right? And while she was um, giving birth, uh, she almost died on, on the uh, table, right? Wow. And they said she was calling her name, Molly, Molly, Molly. And Why she looked at the clock. It was at the exact time <laughs> that she gave birth. You know what? That's and so- she said she felt like if she had opened that door... She probably would have died because my aunt almost died at the time, but she survived. She survived. Yeah. But
0: you know what? I've heard of stuff like that. Also, what they call those crisis apparitions, which is where people see after somebody just died, like before anybody really knows that the person died, that all of a sudden they'll see this person. Like they think, "How can I be seeing you?"
1: Right. And then
0: they'll find out either the same day or the next day. Oh, yeah, that person passed away. Sometimes right. so that, 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 that crisis apparition. I <laughs> that bet. I don't we, blame her. I wouldn't we, have we heard that door.
1: when we were kids, and she told us that more than once. You know. Yeah, so because that was kind of think strange.
0: about it. Stuff like that gets like I think imprinted in your brain. Like you said, she even knew precisely at what time mm-hmm. this thing was yeah. knocking on the door. I mean, the coincidence is
1: just too much. You know what I mean? And, and then I, I you mean, ask yourself, day,
0: you know? and 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 part of it, I think, is that is like she said, it was knocking at the door. In other words, it had to gain Ent-
1: entry. And, and she saw something, right? She felt right. like if she opened the door, it would have been right. really bad. So she had that feeling, right? Yeah. And and the, um. One time, I interviewed this guy. who He wrote a
0: book, and he was a Border Patrol agent. And he said that after he had come out of training camp, like right after, uh, one day he calls in sick. And one of the guys that was, just like him, had been out. He says that he's at home sick in bed. And he says that usually he would leave his radio and his uniform and stuff in the closet. And he says all of a sudden he hears it like crackling, like when somebody's trying to... Call you on it mm-hmm. and he was like wow this is really weird what the... And he says like he would like really weirded him out because he says usually he would just turn his radio off plus he wasn't working he was at home sick
1: mm.
0: turns out that he was like he didn't he felt like i'm not going to answer it that's really weird comes in the next day finds out that around the time around midnight uh this guy had gotten killed when they were patrolling down in south southern california and they think that he had gotten pushed off the side of a mountain they would patrol up there wow. so, you know how the new guys that get the bad uh, mm-hmm. the bad schedules they were going out there at night so he didn't know about it and he, and he realized that around the time when he hears the story the next day this is around the time that the radio starts to crackle like somebody's calling him so he was like oh, you know okay but he says like a few days later a week something the guy's getting buried and that same night same thing happens he says he had says I would always leave my uniform my radio turned off all that stuff in the closet and he says he hears the radio crackling again on that same day that that mm. guy was buried and he says there was a part of me that knew that like if i answered that communication like i was going to open the door for something mm-hmm. yeah. to come through that That's i didn't like want mom, yeah. which is like even though it was a friend of his you know somebody that he knew it was like he didn't he says that he even took like the i guess the battery out of it you know like you took he did not want to because it scared him so badly and mm you know and then he's you know he had a lot of other stories where the guy later on was seen by different people out there um as a matter of fact uh they even had some times uh because you know they you know they had these groups of immigrants like crossing through you know or or there's kind of like you're crossing no man's land you know there's that sometimes they would have groups of them turn themselves in because they had seen this guy that Mm -hmm. they knew was dead or they would talk about eventually something happened he, he wrote a book about it which was really interesting that he wasn't seen anymore mm. and um, yeah some of the things that that people see and it's not because they want to see it in other words they're just doing their job
1: right.
0: and it happens and it's like well you know what are you gonna do
1: about it I got another story <laughs> yeah I know you have another uh, story go ahead this is this is a friend of ours that lives in uh, Long Island can, can no, oh, Kenny. Oh, remember that one? Oh, incredible. That's another one. That was, about a, that that was one. something. Uh, let me tell you, Kenny. Right, young kid. He's, he's, he's now, about he's now 30, 30, 40. really severe asthma. I mean, they, yeah. okay. a few times they didn't think they he. They looked gonna, less right, I mean, They didn't think he was in severe. They was, wow. was okay. really bad. Yeah, yeah, very bad. And um, <clears throat> one day that the mom. This the mom told us the story. You know, Kenny never said anything about it. Um, the grandfather had passed away He was really father. close to uh kenny because right? he was worried about kenny yeah he was always worried about kenny with the asthma and he right was, you know kept really close on. uh kenny would, uh, after after he passed away he'd, he'd get up in the middle of the night and go to his mom goes Gu- guess why grandpa was here last night because where oh he was sitting uh at the edge of the bed talking to me he says he came from the garden to visit me right and we're having conversations <laughs> with him and this happened like a few times right Right, and 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 Kathy, the mom, was saying like ah, he's just I making up things, you know. He's talking; it's uh-huh. understandable because he passed away, as a young kid, he didn't understand what was going on, right? So it happened a few times, right? Uh-huh. He kept saying the story, and then he, he he tells he goes, you know what, mom? He goes, it was re- really weird. She goes, why? What's the matter? He goes, Grandpa was sitting on on this edge of the bed talking, but he has no eyes, right? Holy crap! And so she's like, that's weird, you know. So nothing came up, right? just let it go right a few days later um, the mom was talking to, Kathy, um, talking to the mom. Kathy's uh, her, mom. her mom right uh-huh. Kenny's grandma right and uh, told the story by Kenny and you know, grandpa's coming from the garden to visit and he's talking but he has no eyes right the grandma just fr- like dead silent Freaked out. she goes I didn't want to tell anybody this but your, your grandfather when he died donated his <sighs> eyes oh my is god no one knew scene? it no one knew this the in scene? the family right like exactly except how for her she never kid. said anything yeah oh and god and Kathy is like <laughs> that hero. was freaky i yeah. mean she's like one of these very like very and she must have been like
0: people. can yeah. you imagine and you know how they say in the movie nobody believes the kid mm-hmm. because well, everybody, right, believed, yeah.
1: everybody believed everybody yeah. believed kenny but the everybody kid was, was like kenny so happy that he was talking right because
0: right because you know when you're a kid that's another thing that why they say that kids see more often because they don't they don't try to filter it out, or they don't try to analyze it, or mm-hmm. explain it, or how can I see you if you're dead? You know, none of that. They right. kind of like they go with the flow.
1: So that was a freaky story. Another one. <laughs> yeah. Friend of mine lived up in Queens, way out by uh, St. Yeah. W- Albans, I think it was, all yeah. well, the way on the edge, almost by Long Island, right. Bought a house, got married, right. Nice guy. He used to look, used go. to work on cars a lot. His wife used to raise Dobermans, right. Okay. What They Lo- love Dobermans, they had a bunch of them, they're really nice ones too, right? So um <clears throat> one day I went over to the house to visit them, right? And the house was kind of dark and creepy. It was on a half acre of land. Uh-huh. There was nobody around, right? It always seemed dark in the house, and you know, I don't right. know why. So we was sitting around watching television, right? The drag racing was on or something on a Saturday uh-huh. We were watching that, right? And um we kept hearing these noises on the, on the wall. I said, it sounds like somebody's knocking. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, forget about it, right? I'm like, sounds weird, you know? Where's it coming from? Sounds like the kitchen? This looks like the kitchen's right next door. Uh huh. He goes, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't even pay attention to it, right? So all of a sudden, you got the two Dogmans in the house, right? They start barking like crazy. They run through the kitchen. They have one of those flapping doors. Right? right? And we go running, and he goes, what the hell are you after? Right? And they're in the corner barking at nothing in the corner. Two Dobermans. Right? Wow. I'm like, what the hell's going on? It's yeah, bad. right. like, okay, enough with that. I like, don't want to tell you, but this house is haunted. It's like, <laughs> like, are you serious? Uh- <laughs> it's haunted. They hear noises there all the time. The dogs bark at the walls, right? Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is freaky, yeah? So um, we're going out, right, and uh, I'm looking down, These he little got ba- another one of the house- houses with the half basement uh-huh. with-, with these steps with a storm door that right. up like that, right? And all the dogs are in the cages down there, right? That's uh-huh. where they-, they kept them at night and stuff. So they go, you want to go down and look at the dogs and stuff? So I'm like, oh, take a look. I'm like getting ready to walk down the steps. You know what? I don't want to go down there. I'm getting freaked it. out. I'm getting these chills. i swear, I was getting chills. I don't know <laughs> what it is about basements and cellars, man. So I go, well, <laughs> I said, what the hell's with your house? And he goes, why do you think it's haunted? Because that place is creeping me yeah, out. Because well, the owner who owned it hung himself in that basement. Okay. I'm like, there you Christ, go. not a haunting you, right there. Yeah. It's
0: like, forget freaked it.
1: That one freaked me out. was one sure me out,
0: the one? No,
1: his uh, was here. Uh, and and was you know, I, if he told me the story, and choices, I, I would have said, okay, you know, it sounds cool sometimes. and everything. But I was in the house. So uh, so I yeah, actually they, heard the noises, and I saw when I saw the door. And that's dogs, the thing. He's trying do that. So he that let that let was like there's something <laughs> else here. And, and going he's ahead there,
0: ahead. like trying to like, nah, it's nothing. It's yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, they were like
1: trying to like, it's haunted. It's haunted. Don't worry about it. Just noises, you know, noises. I'm like, okay, like don't tell me that
0: you're just knocking on the walls. And they lived
1: there for. I don't know, three you know, years it was in that Jim house? Change, was it, it like up, a long divorce three years? For some strange reason, un- split a, that's and split up and they just that's just got rid of the house. Yeah, three years, years, years is a long time for when you're in a place like that. Right, so that was kind of weird. Yeah, kind of. How about you? You told me you worked one time in the emergency room. Because I wanted to see Yeah, yeah, I did. I worked. I worked in the emergency room for a while. I worked. I worked throughout the hospital. That was twenty years. You know, as a nurse.
0: Yeah, sometimes you get a lot of weird stuff that happens at hospitals. I used the to work room. night
1: shift, and the weirdest thing—the only thing I ever saw that that night or heard actually was was, was working the burn unit mm-hmm. at okay. night, right? And burn units are nasty. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's horrible, right? So uh, I'm sitting there one night. It's just t- me and the southern nurse. It was only like I think we had three patients. That was it, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm like listening to this howling sound coming down the hall. I said, "Who's screaming in pain?" Right? Right. Because he you hear that, you goes, I didn't hear anything, right? And you're like what? I, go, I keep hearing howling sounds coming out of this corner down the hall, right? Uh-huh. And, and there's no patients in the rooms in there, that, right? So I'm so, you know, <laughs> this is weird, yeah. You know? So I'm going to the doors, opening each door, looking inside, and I don't see anything, right? Right. So I got back and I'm sitting down doing my, my paperwork, right, writing my. So I'm this howling sound coming out. I said. What okay. the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's somebody screaming in pain. Uh huh. And I don't know where it's coming from. Right. Right. Went and checked all the rooms. Right. And the three patients there—they they were, you know, all out. Nothing. Right. It, it went off like a half hour and stopped. Right. On and off, on and off, on and off. And I was the only like- one who heard it
0: isn't that so- and and she
1: didn't hear it and I was like what the hell but <laughs> well, you know what it. not too long ago I was Weird. I, I
0: did a tour and you know later on we were interviewing people I had this one guy he works in a hospital now and he worked like like what you're talking about like the overnight mm-hmm. uh shift and he's telling me how he heard like one time he says you know at that time you kind of know who you've got who you're taking care of who's there who's not right. he says one time he hears a woman scream like in pain like like he says man this is not like a scream this is like a scream he says he goes nothing there was nobody he could ever account for it you know he says it was almost like a scream like they were killing her mm. okay and, him and, the, and i think one other person heard it but he says at night time there's not really that many people anyway there
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he was like and he couldn't find any source for it and he he says like uh, a lot of times you don't know you'll see dark shadows and stuff
1: like that and after a while, you're like, okay, I'm not going to find out. I don't want to find out what that is. Well, I've got the whole array. I've seen the shadows. It. Okay. <laughs> I've seen the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> the person. Literally yeah. saw uh-huh. the person that heard the sounds, you know. Like, yeah. But, mm-hmm. you get,
0: but you get a lot of stuff from uh, places like that, especially when people pass away. You know what I'm saying? You get a lot of people that will say, either because the people are in agony or because they're really seriously injured,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: you know they're going to pass away. And, and you hear, you know, a lot of unusual things because... There's just something that swirls around that whole thing. And, you know, they've got that angel of death theory where yeah. they say that in a lot of these places, or even nursing homes, you'll see, like, the dark shadow and things like that.
1: Sometimes you'll just feel it, to you get freaked out, or you get the chills. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what the hell was is that island? Welfare Island in New York, remember? <laughs> Welfare Island? Yeah, right? Yeah. It used to be, now it's called the Roosevelt Island. Yeah. Because I Welfare Island back. is a bad name, connotation to it. Uh-huh, you know, nobody uh-huh, knows, right. has a bad reputation crazy, for crazy that. Crazy yeah. kid. So they changed it to, <coughs> to Roosevelt Island. Uh, I don't know if it's there anymore. I think they knocked it down, but all the way at the southern tip of the island, it's like right underneath the 59th Street Bridge, right. you know, there was an old hospital there. It was a huge oh, hospital. And it was abandoned for years right right i mean the roofs have fallen in on I mean, one part right. they had a <laughs> a morgue area that was disgusting okay. had jars that were left they would. yeah because that's why it's when they leave <laughs> they, they just leave, them, leave right? everything there so we used to go there like 18 years old right like a bunch of guys right <laughs> right just, just to go there for kicks scare the hell out of ourselves right and um we we got into this back door right and the place was like who was that movie the shining Remember that one with the, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of that, this right, huge right. building with okay. this large hallway and had a stairway on each end that went up and all you saw was old metal hospital beds like from the 20s and right, crap. Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah, I know the, what the thing talking. was just abandoned forever. Uh-huh. It had a big fence around it but the fence was, you know, right. knocked down so you can walk right in. There's nobody there. It was pitch black. You had to go in with a, a flashlight to look around, right? So we used to go in there and <laughs> walk around with this thing, right? <laughs> scared the living hell I out bet. of us. It was really freaky, right? The one guy that was with us was, was a cop, right? <laughs> yeah, D- it's D-Danny, like, yeah, they're right? the first ones that, like. took him there, right? Danny? Huh? Was it Danny? Danny, right? Danny,
0: You know what, they, a lot of them, they're what flesh about? and blood, they don't have a problem, but when it's stuff like that, they're like, eh. A
1: wheelchair, empty wheelchair came flying and went across in front of him, <laughs> freaked <laughs> oh my God. him out, right? He, he ran like the hell, like hell. I, mean, I bet. I he bet. Just took off. Who, who <laughs> and the it was pla- like that place. It, it, I mean, I I didn't see anything except for that, right? But that was enough. But just walking in there, I mean, if you're going to look for spirits and anything, I mean, that was chock full of it. Yeah. It him a mental institution. Hi everybody. This that?
0: is Marlene. Uh, you just saw me do that fantastic interview with Rob, who was great. His stories were, I could have sat there for hours and hours just listening to his stories and. One of the stories that he talked about was an experience that he had when he was a teenager going to uh, this hospital on this island that sits right off New York on the river. And it just so happens that I've been working on a story precisely about that island and that hospital. And, of course, it's haunted because not only was it a hospital, it was uh, was what they called uh, a pestilence hospital uh, or quarantine hospital. This was... Where back then, because a lot of these diseases were deadly uh, at that time, the best thing that they could think of was to move people out of the general population and basically put them on this island. And it's inevitable that some of these, besides the fact that these diseases were deadly, uh, we didn't have the medicines that we have now. It's just that uh, apparently the staff was overwhelmed so of course you're going to have hauntings but the history on this place is super interesting and you're going to see what i mean that there is no doubt whatsoever that this place is haunted and no wonder that he had the experiences that he da- that he did have um now the the name of that hospital is called well let's let's get what why don't we call it it's the island that it sits on it's called north brother island or Welfare Island. There's various names for it, uh, and it's located between the Bronx and Rikers Island. Uh, It's situated right in the middle of New York City's East River on an area known as Hell's Gate. And it's known as, the official name is North Brother Island. Uh, And in 1885, if you were sick and contagious, you would be brought to this 20 acre island along with other patients from the five boroughs. In most cases, the patients did not come here voluntarily, but were forced to do so. It was far enough to stop disease from spreading, leaving those living and dying there feeling isolated. But in a city that was already overcrowded and pestilence-stricken, it was the best option to keep the populace safe and healthy. Now, the hospital that's on North Brother Island is called Riverside, and it was built on the north end of the island, and it was initially used for those stricken with smallpox. Now, over the decades it was used to quarantine just about anybody that was infected with typhus, scarlet fever, yellow fever, any type of disease that could spread very easily, very quickly, and that they really did not have any antidotes for. Uh, Once on the island there was food shortages and uh, no heating during the cold winter months. So as a result of all of this, the mortality rate for those who were banished here was very high, uh, to the point that being sent to North Brother Island was seen as practically synonymous with a death sentence. Uh, the bedraggled patients were not allowed to leave until they recovered, and these were the days before telephone, so many of the people who left for North Brother Island were never to return. And of course, their friends and families never heard from them again, or knew what became of them. This is why, in some cases, being sent there was equivalent to a death sentence. Uh, It was greatly feared. The other, it was greatly feared by the general populace, who refused to go anywhere near it. Even the fairies, that would go up and down the river would give it a wide berth that was the fear that they had of contagion uh as a and they would have a steamer uh, uh that belonged to the health department called the franklin edison and it would deliver those that had been quarantined to north brother island and it would alert with blasts what type of disease the patients had been infected with that they had on board for example three blasts were sounded uh to tell Uh, In other words, this was the official language. Uh, For example, two long blasts uh, spelled scarlet fever. Four meant measles. Um, The most dreaded, which was a long and a short blast, uh, stood for typhoid fever. Uh, And um, smallpox, of course, were sent over there, which was the three blasts. Now, For example, the reputation of going to this island was so bad that one winter uh, there was an Italian mother who led police on a three-week chase through the tenements with her sick baby scattering smallpox contagion right and left. And she finally turns up unexpectedly in the offices with the baby of a Dr. Edison who was on Mulberry Street. Uh, Now, um, the health department kind of knew where she was going through because of all the people that she got sick along the way that themselves ended up going to Riverside Hospital. Uh, There was another time that uh, they found the health department, found about 57 Russian exiles uh, that were living in uh, about half a dozen lodging houses. They're all cramped in there and they're all suffering from typhus fever they were all taken to Riverside Hospital. And then about about another hundred went to join them about before a week had passed. And that gives, gives you an idea about um, people were really scared of going to Riverside to North Brother Hospital, but at the same time, they kind of uh, would pack themselves into these very cramped quarters. Remember, this is, This is a time that immigrants were flooding in from all over the place. Uh, You know, the tenements where people lived and because of the poverty, they would all be cramped in together, which of course was deadly as far as spreading the disease. So it was sometimes whether you wanted to die on the tenement or die on the island. Uh, But in truth, though, they did try to take care of the people in the hospital there. It's just that they were very short-staffed. Um, now, uh, like I said, even the, the the ships going up the East River would just not even get close to this island. Also, they even had lepers who were brought to the island and they confined them to wooden huts within the boundaries of the hospital. And it, this was New York City's only official leper colony. In other words, the lepers were quarantined even from the regular patients That were quarantined themselves on the island so it was a quarantine within a quarantine island Um, now but it wasn't just the leper colony for which North Brother Island uh, became most notorious this was also uh, once home to Mary Mallon an Irish immigrant known to history as typhoid Mary. Uh, Mallon was thought to be responsible for spreading the deadly disease through a number of families and with a fatality rate as high as three in ten Typhoid was particularly nasty way to go. First, she was brought to North Brother Island in 1907. Um, and just to give you an idea, when you contract a typhoid, you start out with a low-grade fever, and then you get cramping, which is quickly uh, leads to delirium as blood begins to clot beneath the skin. This is followed by inflammation of the brain and intestinal hemorrhaging. And the thing about typhoid Mary, or Mary Mallon, however you want to call her, she was asymptomatic. In other words, she got everybody sick, but she didn't get sick. Um, however, they could, they they did have enough science to trace who was causing the outbreak. So every job where she had been working at in New York which was with food, people had started to become sick with typhoid and some of them died. Now she was uh, incarcerated for three years at Riverside Hospital while the authorities figured out what to do with her. Somewhere uh, in the region of about 163 samples of, of her bodily fluids and tissues were taken from her. But in 1910 she wanted to be freed and it was granted to her on the condition that she signed an affidavit stating that she would stop working as a cook and to take proper hygienic measures to stop spreading the disease. Okay, now, although Mary agreed to these terms and she was allowed to return to the mainland, she worked briefly as a laundress before changing her name and resuming the better-paying work as a cook which not surprisingly led to more infections of typhoid fever wherever she went. The worst outbreak she was directly responsible for was at Sloan Hospital for Women in New York City, where she worked in 1915, and which resulted in 25 people coming down with the disease and two of them dying from it. Now, after this, the authorities arrested Mary and she was sent back to North Brother Island, where she would spend the next two decades... Languishing until her death at the age of 69, which occurred on November 11th, 1938. Uh, she died from pneumonia, and then ultimately, uh, or unintentionally, she infected a total of 53 people with typhoid fever during her life. And the problem was this: that throughout the time, from the very beginning that typhoid Mary was being accused of and, and picked up as having spreading the disease. She didn't think it was true. She kept denying it. She still believed that she was responsible for spreading it and for the people that died, even from before. Even to the time of her death, she still believed that she was the one responsible for spreading the typhoid fever. Uh, Now, it was also around this time that New York is accepting huge numbers of immigrants that are coming from other countries, and the majority were forced into crowded and unsanitary living quarters. Uh, These diseases are spreading quickly. So the city had to do something, and Riverside was its answer. But the situation there wasn't much better. Out of sight, out of mind, conditions there were very bad, and the mortality rate among the patients was high, and the recovery rate slow. Which, of course, there was a cemetery there. There had to be a cemetery there. Uh, Now, the patients lived in tents, pavilions, cottages, in and around the hospital. Uh, Like I said, those struggling with leprosy were confined to the wooden shacks in the perimeter. Now, when the weather was bad, the ferries that ran between North Brother Island and the Bronx were anchored and no food was delivered. According to those who survived and made it back to New York proper, life at Riverside was the black hole of Calcutta. Boy, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Now, disease was not the only death associated with the island, um, as North Brother Island was the scene of what remains the worst maritime disaster ever recorded in New York history. On June 15, 1904, the passenger steamship General Slocum was carrying a large number of German immigrants from St. Mark's Evangelical Lutheran Church on their way to a church picnic when the ship somehow caught fire. The burning, flaming ship eventually sank, and when the smoke cleared, uh, about 1,021 of the 1,342 people on board had died, either from the fire or from drowning. Uh, The survivors of the wreck were taken to North Brother Island to receive medical care. Now, the wreck remained ensconced within its watery grave until it was salvaged to be converted into a barge, which was named the Maryland, which strangely enough would also sink into the depths of the Atlantic Ocean in 1911 while on a voyage to deliver a load of coal. Talk about a hunted ship. That was no coincidence. Now, by the 1940s, the grounds of Riverside Hospital had become a convalescence uh, home for wounded World War II soldiers and North Brother Island was transformed into a housing center meant for veterans and their families, but the need to take a ferry in order to get anywhere meant that many chose to relocate as soon as they could. Uh, The island gave one last dying gasp in the form of a drug rehab center for heroin addicts in the 1950s, but this too was to be short-lived, and the island fell silent in 1963 when all human activity there was ceased and the buildings decommissioned and abandoned to be left behind to the ages. The crumbling remains of North Brother Island and its abandoned quarantine hospital are now heavily overgrown, eerie ruins that lurk amid the unchecked foliage of the tiny forgotten island. The location is now strictly off-limits to the public. More chilling still is the fact that the forgotten, unwanted nature of the derrick building mirrors the tragic fate of many who pass through North Brother Island, especially those who never left the confines of Riverside Hospital alive. The crumbling ruins are the memorial, and those who look closely will find traces of those quarantined patients even today. Discarded toys... Discarded keys are also heaped in piles. Phone books from the 1950s lie open to the last pages. Uh, Developed x-rays can still be read. Graffiti scrawled by patients long gone still cover the walls. In one building, the forlorn door of a nurse's station is pockmarked by bullet holes. It is perhaps no surprise at all That North Brother Island, with its history of death and who knows how many unmarked graves hiding within the underbrush, is said to be lousy with ghosts. Visitors have reported various strange phenomena here, which have perhaps made them reconsider their journey to these desolate shores eerie sounds, phantom voices, unseen hands, touching, pulling, or shoving, malfunctioning electrical equipment and EVP phenomena. This place covers a whole spectrum of ghostly phenomena. There have even been some cases of urban explorers fleeing the island in sheer terror, vowing never to return. This is a place not only spooky in appearance, but also apparently permeated by the despairing ghosts of its history. It makes one wonder if the sheer weight of pain and hardship can congeal and imprint itself into a place just as surely as an image onto film. Perhaps these are events and emotions that etch upon the fabric of reality itself. It is a creepy thought, to be sure. There are mysterious places all around us, some of them hiding in plain sight, whether it is because they are burdened with a tragic dark history, tormented by the memories of the long dead who suffered there, or literally haunted by the spirits of the past, These are eerie locations not necessarily confined to the isolated corners of the world. Sometimes these locales can be found right amongst us, living parallel to our thrumming cities as if on another plane of existence, forgotten echoes of a bygone time reverberating through reality. There, amidst the streaks of our city lights and the tireless activity of humankind, these places squat, stuck between the dreamland of dead history and the bright beacons of our burgeoning development, lost, rugged, mysterious lands in a sea of concrete.